Hey, you're listening to the Fanboy Strike Back Weekly Review Podcast, episode 45. Strike Back Weekly Review Podcast. I'm Eric. I'm David. And we are the fanboys who strike back. Each week we read a certain amount of comics that we both enjoy. And uh, we go to our website at www.fanboystrikeback.com and we write a review of what we felt was the best uh, out of what we pulled that week. And then we come to the podcast here and we talk about that along with uh, whatever tickled our fancy that week. And so along with that, we got a few other reviews of some video games this week that are coming out, or, or previews, I guess, not, not reviews, but previews, and uh, just some other general news for you. And with all that, um, we will be talking about everything that happens in the books, so if you haven't read your books, please pause the, pause the podcast and please come back to it again. And with that, David had the pick of the week this week, and it was good. Yeah, I went with uh, Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane by Terry Moore, and who drew this? Uh, Rosso. Craig Rosso. Craig Rossell. Rosso. Whatever. Um, and um, I've, I've heard a lot about Terry Moore from Eric and just from, you know, hearing things. And I, I wasn't, um, I didn't really want to try Strangers in Paradise. It didn't really sound like a book that I'd like, but I kind of liked the idea of what Terry Moore does. It's kind of like, you know, the kind of, kind of teen drama, but a little bit more adult. And so when I heard that he was doing Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane, I'm like, well, I'm going to have to try this out. I'd heard some really good stuff about the book previously, but I never tried it out. And this was just like, I mean, like I said in my review, there's so much stuff going on with Final Crisis, with Secret Invasion. Comic books have become much more dull and, you know, they're serialized stories and they're all in depth. And this was just nothing but pure fun to read. It was just Mary Jane... You know, her little dialogue on life, kind of, it's kind of like reading her diary, dealing with, you know, Peter, and I love the fact, like, there's, like, Gwen's in the story, and she's kind of, um, she's kind of jealous of Gwen, because Gwen's the, the beautiful girl who tries to act innocent, and it's just, like, I mean, like I said, I haven't read Terry Moore stuff before, but this felt just so real, like, it just felt like I was looking into, you know, a very modern, like, high school girl's life, and it was just totally believable, and it was just heartfelt, and, like, I was very excited about, you know, like, I had a grin on my face the whole time reading this, and I was like, I am so excited about adding this on, and, like, I am sold, I am done, this is in my box, and I'm going to recommend this to everyone I know. Yeah, I agree, it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, I guess it's only a miniseries, though. Yeah. Is that right? Okay. Well, the first um, one, I think, was 12 issues, and this is volume two. So I, I'm thinking it's going to be one of those things where if it sells well with, I mean, I think with you know getting Terry Moore's name attached to it, it will, that hopefully eventually it will become an ongoing. Yeah. 
Um, I liked it. I was, you know, I, I had the cover, and the cover has the Terry Moore art on it. And then I was, I was at first disappointed by the interior, uh, just, just because it wasn't when I first opened it. But as I went through the story, I was like, actually, it's uh, Russo's art is very good. It's it fits the story. It's um, trying to find out who does the colors on this book, but um, the colors are there's no dark colors at all, which is so different from what I normally read. Uh, Gilliam, yeah, Mario, William Mary or Gilliam. Yeah, so um, I'm sorry for butchering their name, but um, <laughs> it, it's it's just kind of interesting because it's so in contrast to everything else I'm reading. It's very it's very light, and actually that the colors raise the tone of the book even even more so. But um, you know, I'm I'm happy about this book. It feels very much like um, I don't know, like in, any other kind of teen book, but written really well. The thing about Terry Moore is he writes uh, genuine emotion very well. So when you see, like, you know, uh, Mary Jane going to school on the first day of sophomore year, and, you know, and everyone kind of feels that way when you look at the freshman and you're like, oh, I remember being scared, and then, you know, the next by the next year you're fine, and, you know, you, you know what to expect and stuff like that. So I like little character moments like that. I like how she has her crush on Peter, and Peter, you know, he's kind of loose. And then at the very end, I just enjoyed that that little aspect of, like, the, the absent mother and how she's kind of sick of that and she just kind of wants, she wishes someone was there for her and then you saw Peter uh, hanging down yeah. by her window. So the only thing I didn't get, the only, there was one thing, in, you know, Peter, he's in the Spider-Man costume and he's saying, Mary Jane, are you asleep? So I'm not sure, is she supposed to know who he is? At this point, I don't think she knows. Um, I yeah, thought I that was kind of strange. What part were we talking about? The, the very last part where, where he's by her window and he whispers to her, he says, Mary, or he, you know, says no, Mary that, Jane. I think that was supposed to be her mom coming home. Oh, is it? Okay, that makes more sense. Yeah, that's, I think that's what it is. There was, there was no, like, door opening or something, so I didn't get that. Yeah, no, I mean, that, yeah, that's, exactly. that's me being ignorant, so. Um, <laughs> I really liked how they portrayed Peter because he was basically a nerd. I mean, he was. He was very scrawny, very skinny. He doesn't look like a superhero at all. And then when he's talking to Liz and Mary Jane and all he can talk about is schoolwork and how he's so excited about his advanced classes to the point where Liz has to, you know, she has to cut him off. And I was like, that's perfect. You know, that's exactly how this kind of dorky Peter Parker should be portrayed. Yeah, he felt even more nerdy than he originally was in Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah. But I like it. Like, I hope this book does well, and I think, Term where you kind of have a built-in audience that's going to come in anyway, but I think a, a lot of people like like you who who have heard good things but haven't sampled it yet will will maybe try this and, and enjoy it. I hope so. Yeah, it was good. Sure. So, what would have been the best thing you read this week? Um, it was. Uh, it, I don't know. There was there was a lot of stuff that excited me. This was a very good week for me. Although there wasn't an act. An issue of Batman R.I.P. didn't come out. There was three tie-ins that came out this week, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna we're gonna talk about all of them. So I'm gonna start off with Robin number 176, and with this we have Fabian uh, Nikiza Nasiza Nasiza is that it? Okay, taking over from taking over from Chuck Dixon, who who pretty much owned this title and has left DC under. Unfortunate circumstances, I, I, I guess. Yeah, yeah. No I, I, I don't, you know, no. It's kind of shady, but it, it's unfortunate because he was kind of 
taken off this project. Right. And with this, if this was kind of more of the same, um, it was uh, Robin and Spoiler hunting down uh, what they've. What they've heard on the street is evidence of someone had a picture of Batman kind of going nutty and, and demonstrating a shotgun Batman. He's trying to find out who has this picture and spoilers kind of keeping something from him the whole time. And, and he's not, he's not quite sure what, but we, we see like Robin just becoming more and more and more uh, single-minded and, and uh, almost out of character. But what was interesting is he's acting so much more like Bruce. And even over the past few years when he said, you know, I'm, I'm not like Bruce. I'm not like Dick. I'm not like Jason. Yeah, I'm kind of. I am who I am, and I'm going to do this for a while, and I'm going to call it quits. You know, I'm not going to do this forever. But he has this single-mindedness, obsessiveness that is very much like Bruce, and he's just like it's taking him over. And more glimpses back to uh, him and Dick uh, during the time in '52 when they're. spending time together, uh, in, during the one year later when they were spending time together and, and Bruce was in the cave and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So we see, the, for the first time, we saw uh, why, or, or one of the reasons why Tim got the new outfit on. And he was, he was kind of sick of, of not being able to really be a tough guy in the, in the bright green and red and yellow and stuff like that. So he got a darker costume and it's more outfitted. It's much more like Nightwing's costume, uh, which is with the technology, and they point that out. And, it, that was kind of interesting. But we also find out that the thing that Spoiler was hiding from Tim was that Bruce had come to Spoiler just a few days before this and said, you know, you're going to have to be there for Tim because Tim's soon, very soon Tim is going to have to go through something without me. And so Bruce had this kind of idea that something was going to happen to him. He, said, he basically tells Spoiler, uh, Tim's going to have to carry on without me, and you're going to have to help him do that. So, like what I said about the last review of this book, where uh, Spoiler was acting very much like the Robin to 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 Tim, who was acting very much more like Batman. This actually comes out and says it. Like he, Bruce gave her those orders, and so Bruce kind of knows something's going to be going on with him. And so that was really interesting. There was a few ties into um, into the the Black Black Hand or something like that. Whoever the group Bruce is fighting in the main Batman book. And then there was a really interesting piece at the end, and I'm kind of rambling now, but this is the last piece that I that got to me. Um, there was a scene of, I don't know who it was, but someone's pulling the Red Robin costume out of like a dumpster where Jason had discarded it. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I don't remember this happening in this book, but it, it just kind of flashed through it really quickly. And then the next issue of this book is someone in the Red Robin costume. So I I don't know. The, the way they've been building this up is that Tim would take over for for Bruce, but if he's going to be Red Robin, that would be kind of interesting too. But side note to all that too is we had talked uh, a show or two back about the Batman R.I.P. and who might replace him. Yeah. And I've been lis- I've been listening to the DC Nation panel and they had one about Batman, and they had. Greg Rucka and Grant Morrison and Paul Dini and Jeff, and uh, not Jeff Jones, but Chad Winnick on it. And uh, it was really interesting. And they, someone had asked a question about Jason Todd and the universe. And we'd, you put it in my head, and I very much hope this happens, that what if Jason became Batman? And basically they, they brought that up as far as, you know, what, what's going to be in the future for Jason Todd? And uh, they talked about, you know, who, who likes Jason Todd? And it wasn't, it wasn't a great response from the audience. 
but uh, someone yelled or someone on the panel yelled out, "How would people feel about Jason Todd being Batman?" Um, to where I believe it was mostly uh, booze with one guy being like, "I'm okay with it." <laughs> but I was driving home in my car listening to that, and I was like, "Oh, oh, are they gonna do it?" I got very excited. So I can't see them doing it. It'd be a bold move. It would be very bold. That's for sure. It would be bold. So. But, yeah, All right, so, well, what about uh, Nightwing? What happened to Nightwing? So, Nightwing number 147 with uh, Tomasi writing this, uh, still knocking it out of the park. Uh, basically, someone comes to Night or Harvey Dent comes to Nightwing in this book with a, with a favor to ask. And, and uh, basically, the, the story is that one of the DAs that, one of the DAs of New York is going after the mob. And she's got a hit out on her, and Harvey is an old friend of hers. They went through the, the legal system in Gotham together. And he was he was in love with her, but he was also with Gilda at the time, and nothing happened. He, he, says, he says in this, like, they bring up Gilda, which I, I like because they don't usually mention her a whole lot. And he's like, you know, I've, I've never broken a promise to, to anybody, and, you know, I've never, I've never broken my word. And so uh, it, it was a really nice mo- Harvey Dent moment in this, and... Nightwing, it's it's kind of well known that the Nightwing and and Two Face do not mix at all because for several reasons they're both kind of intimately tied together because they both showed up in the Batman universe at the same time, and then there was a great Chuck Dixon uh, story several years back of Robin Year One, and that put into continuity that during Dick Grayson's first year of Robin he was savagely beat by Two Face, uh, like within an inch of his life, and it was. And since then, there's been a real rivalry between the Robins and Two-Face. And Two-Face was the one who killed Jason's father. And Tim Drake, like, his first case as Robin was taking down Two-Face. And so there's there's this back and forth. But Dick Grayson especially hates Harvey Dent. And I liked that they they played off of that, which was great. Because um, basically, when, when Harvey comes to, to Nightwing, basically, there's there's flashbacks in the back of the panel. Because Nightwing's like... You know which which one of you am I talking to? And he's like, it's me. And like, you know, was someone shooting two guns at you when you landed on the roof? No, you know, it's me. So Nightwing very, uh, very distressingly takes up the case. But in the background, they flash to moments of of Two Face with this baseball bat beating uh, a younger Dick Grayson. And it was I, I was very happy that they didn't ignore that fact that there's a whole lot of tension between the two of them. And so, basically, it, it, and, and from there on out, it kind of just goes into Night, Nightwing doing his usual swashbuckling. But um, there was just a lot of, there was a really great moment between Dick Grayson and Harvey Dent that really brought back some of Harvey's humanity. And it was, it was good to see that. Nice. It, it was Tomasi writing Harvey Dent and Dick Grayson. And I we, wish I could have read that. It, it was very good. You know, it, it, there's nothing wrong with that. All right, well, let's go to the last uh, R.I.P. tie-in, which was Detective Comics. <laughs> I actually picked this one up. So, um, by Paul Dini. What, what did you Paul think? By Paul Dini. I thought I was very excited when I started reading this book because I was like, ooh, this is actually the origin of Hush. <laughs> and, you know, you know, I loved Hush, but, but I didn't, like, at the very end of the story, I didn't understand. Like, I was like, was he Tommy? And, like, if so, why would Tommy, like, have Bruce. a vendetta against Bruce? You know, mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, so we start getting an origin story, and I was loving it 
until the story kind of takes a turn, and then I didn't like it so much. What what part did, did you feel? Uh, to... Basically, all the stuff where because you find out that Tommy is kind of you know his he has problems with his dad, his mom is sick, he's at this this camp with Bruce Wayne, and Bruce is trying to be the good friend. Um, Tommy's mom comes and says he shouldn't be at camp. She's kind of very, very, very overprotective of him. And then um, this little kid calls him a mama's boy, and Tommy takes the shovel to his face. I thought all this was great. This was like very, it was very like in character and like seeing where he's coming from. And then you see like you, you kind of get a flash forward, and you see that he's been put into like a mental institution, and he hears, and it's at this point that he figures out that Bruce Wayne is the cause of all of his problems. And at that point, I was like, okay, that makes no sense at all. Well, see, I, I didn't think that was that bad because I thought this, this takes place, or that flashback takes place after Tommy had already cut his parents' tie, or break line. So, and, you know, you kind of knew the reason why he did that because he wants his inheritance and things like that. But, I mean, you have to understand, like, he's, a, he's sick in the head. Like, he's, he's an insane person. And so the fact that he is sitting in that cell and he starts blaming Bruce Wayne for all his problems, when he doesn't really know a whole lot of people in his life, like, Bruce, besides his parents, like, Bruce Wayne is probably, as his best friend, probably one of the only other people he really knows. And so he finds an escape and, or a, a person to, to target all his rage at. And what I thought this was is, at first, I, I, it sat funny with me for about a second. And then I was like, well, actually... You know that this book really went uh, really well into the, showing the fact that Tommy Elliot is really a person who's sick. He's mentally sick, and then you know it doesn't have to make sense. It, it, like it, in a in a in a sick person's head, that would you know that makes sense how they would come to that kind of conclusion. Yeah, I so, just, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. I just think that like it was a little bit. Like, it was a little bit jarring, because it seemed like he was going, it was going all one place, and then all of a sudden he's like, Bruce Wayne, that's the cause of my problems. And I was like, whoa, whoa, where did that come from? You know? Um, I did like the part where Jonathan Crane was his shrink. I, I thought that was very, very cool. <laughs> because he's crazy enough already, and then now the Scarecrow is the one who's trying to help him out. Yeah, I thought that was really Really cool. Uh, I really like this book for a couple reasons. I, I love seeing the Hush brought back in a, in a good capacity. I, I, I think this is a fitting return for Hush, because I, I enjoyed that story, too. And then afterwards, they did a story with him in Gotham Knights that wasn't very good. It wasn't a very good follow-up. Um, but this, this seems much more interesting. But first of all, uh, Dustin Gwynn, who does the art for this book, I love his artwork. Yeah, like, that's the guy that you got a um, print from in Seattle. Right. right. Yeah, it's it, it's beautiful, and so I love it. The only thing I will say about his art is he draw he drew Tim Drake way too young looking, because mm -hmm. he drew him like he's thirteen, and now Tim's like seventeen, and he's almost as tall as Nightwing and stuff like that. So he just looked way a little younger than he should. But other than that, like Nightwing looked great, Batman looked great. Um, I enjoyed the moment between the three of them when Bruce tells him, you know, Hush is back, and he's going to be gunning for the people around me. So I want you guys to know. So and, does and, the continuity of this bother you at all? No, because Paul Dini said basically this happens like within a few days of like 
a, a couple days before what happens in Grant Morrison's story. Okay. So so he came out and, and said that. So I'm I'm fine with it. Like it, it it fits if you want it to fit. Um, and then I thought there was a great moment between Selena and Zatanna. I I really did like this because I've been getting kind of the the runaround between from you about what's going on, and I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I, I like how Selena is holding out. Like the, she's like in Hush when they had that relationship. Like there's there's still that that thing between her and Bruce, and she's she's very territorial of him. It's mm-hmm. it, it's kind of odd, but it fits as well. And I like Zatanna too. Like she's you know she's just cute. She was so like not the girl about it. She's like, yeah, we had a thing. It's not going to work. I realized that, you know, that's pretty much it. And like, she was so just like, she was so upfront about everything. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting to see these two together too, because they've had a few scenes in, in uh, the Will Pfeiffer Catwoman run too. But Zatanna uh, was one of the people back in the day during the, the whole mind wipe thing, like, Selena got some of her mind messed around with too, and so they've had they've had that's a little bit where the bitterness also comes from between them. And then also when Selena had to give up her baby, she she came to Zatanna asking that so that uh, she makes Selena forget about her baby as well, but uh, Zatanna wouldn't do it. And so there's it, it, it's really interesting. And, and basically, you know, Zatanna told Selena like I, I the path you're on now, like I didn't put you on that path. I just nudged you in that direction but it was you know it was you so i i love that dynamic between the two of them and so very excited about where this is still going to go um it's it's good it's it's a good story you know it doesn't it doesn't have to be so close to the rip thing Uh, no i i I mean i thought it was pretty cool i mean coming from an outside point of view i'm just jumping in i mean i i I thought it was a little bit jarring with the whole thing that I explained, but I thought it was cool. And then it was interesting to see that at the very end, Hush is still kind of working with the Scarecrow. Yeah, yeah. So that, it kind of adds another layer into into the Hush storyline too when they work together. Yeah. All right, well, let's let's talk about the, the 500-pound gorilla in the room. Um, Final Crisis number three came out. And DC has been talking about number three. Number three is a big one because after number three, it takes like a two months. It's like a month later. Or I actually, guess. the book won't come out for another two months. Right. Yeah. Two months go by and the book doesn't come out and then they, they kickstart it up again. So go ahead. Um, I'm liking the series more and more. Like, it, I think it, the first issue, like, a lot of what's been said online is there wasn't enough there to, for people to grasp onto and, and uh, people were kind of confused by it, but basically it kind of started out saying, you know, what was going to happen, which was basically like the heroes are F, you know, this, <laughs> every, everyone's going down and, and what you kind of saw was you're kind of in the hero's perspective to where you, you know, something, the readers know something bad is coming, but you don't know what, and the heroes don't know what, and you're kind of oblivious as to what's going on around you, and then as things are happening to the heroes, they're kind of you're along almost in their perspective. So you're being kept in the dark as much as them. And so, like when Hal Jordan gets arrested, and you know Batman gets abducted, and you see all these big guns getting taken out. And as soon as Superman was stuck in the hospital, I was like, "Oh, Wonder Woman's going to be next." Like I, I saw that one coming, but uh, I I really enjoyed it because there was a sense of dread building up, especially like in the first part of this book, and. Uh, just with everything, I enjoy. I really enjoyed the scene where Jake Eric was talking to uh, 
uh, Barry's wife and saying, you know, I, I'd recognize him anywhere. Yeah, like it's he's he's back, and they they made a plausible explanation. It, it it was kind of like tacked on, like, well, you know, death can't run as fast as the speed of light. And I was like, well, uh, I, I didn't I didn't know that, but okay, like, <laughs> you know, I do know. <laughs> like, oh my. That, that would have been helpful you know, like 20 years ago, but okay. So, um, uh, yeah, so as long as you go with it, like, it's okay. It's like, oh, all right, you know, just got to go with it. All right. So I enjoyed that quite a bit. And uh, there, was, there was just a whole lot of, like, when things started going down, I, I like the heroes gathering moment. Um, mm-hmm. Even though, like, even though that when they gathered, I didn't get that sense of, like, in New Frontier when they gather, you're like, okay, they're going to kick some ass. At this time when they gathered, I was like, Oh, they're still screwed. <laughs> this this isn't going to be good. But I I enjoyed hearing about that and like the formation of the All Star Squad. And there's a lot of good stuff about this book. Um, yeah. The the last thing that I really enjoyed was just the the amount of like fear. Like when Oracle was talking to Mister Terrific, and like that was when the Anti Life Equation was being emailed out to everybody in the planet, and it was opening itself up. Like I was like, oh no, oh no, do something, do something, do something, <laughs> and then like. The screen went blank and the the page went blank, and I was like, "Oh, ah, that was good." Yeah. So I, there was a lot to enjoy. Um, you find out what happened to Mary Marvel after count after countdown when Darkseid showed up with her, and um, you know, you, you had a few questions answered, but basically, like shit hit the fan in this, and I, I like it when that happens. Yeah. Okay. All right. Plus the cover, the the Supergirl cover. Like, I want to get all of these JG Jones covers and frame them. They're Gorgeous. Yeah, they are. They are pretty nice covers. Um, so I, I'm sure you have a different opinion. So I do not know if I'll be picking this up in another two months. I, I at this point, I doesn't I don't think I am. I think I'm done. You you're not. You, you don't even want to like find out what happens, or I at this point, I honestly like I don't care. Like I just don't. I mean, I, 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 I know I'm the, in the vast minority with everything because everyone loved this book. Everyone has been talking about like how this book is very and, and this issue was like epic, and I didn't get a feel of that at all. Like I just thought like, like I, I was reading what was going on, but I didn't feel, I didn't feel anything about it. Like I never, I've never felt like the heroes were in trouble. I don't even care about what's coming. Like when when the heroes start mounting up and like Alan Scott, Scott's talking about like you know we're gonna need an army, like I I didn't feel anything. I wasn't like okay, I just feel I don't know like I I just don't care. Yeah, well, I, the thing is I don't know how much when this whole series is done like how much of an impact it's gonna have on the on the DCU as a whole. So if you kept just reading monthly books, would you would you really notice it? But you know, I, I was in for it by the end of it when you had like the deformed uh, Wonder Woman and and Batwoman showing up on the the Hellhounds, and then you had Catwoman back there who didn't look deformed at all, which was kind of weird. But uh, yeah, it's this, this by, by the seems, end of it, like it was just creepy by the end of it. This just seems way too Grant Morrison like for me. That's what it is. It's very like. Awesome. And this yeah. is, this is this feels like exactly like New X Men where. They go into the future, and everything's all effed up. And I'm just like, I don't care, because I know it's going to go back to normal. And it, I just, like, I don't, I'm, I'm not attached to the story or the characters to the point where I'm like, well, how does this happen? And I think that, 
I think to, to counter that, that like a lot of people aren't happy, having a great time with Secret Invasion, but I am because Secret Invasion is everywhere. And I think that, and, I, and this is probably a, a wise move from DC, but that's not why like I'm not really enjoying this book because other than Final Crisis, this story isn't really anywhere else in the DCU. And I think as a comic book reader, personally, my taste, that bothers me because like, you shouldn't be having a big event with Batman going on and dying or whatever's going to happen when you have, like, this big, huge crisis book going on. And then, like, like Superman's out in Action Comics searching for Brainiac, but, like, you know, as much as everyone would, would hate it, like, I want Final Crisis tie-ins. Like, if you're going to have a crisis book, then there needs to be something happening affecting that crisis in every single book that's you know, in the DCU. And I think that that's the point where I'm just like, I just don't care what's going on. And I'm, I'm not saying that the story is bad. I'm just saying personally, like, I, it just it hasn't touched me at all yet. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah, it makes sense. And there there are some little continuity clubs and as far as, like, when they showed Wally's family, like, the kids were running around and both of them were the same age and alive to where in the Flash book, if you read that, like, the, the girl grew up and she died. So I, you know, that that could be, but at the same time, like when I was reading Identity Crisis, I kind of had the same problem, but I, I, I got past it because like in, in Identity Crisis, we had Tim Drake as Robin. When in the Robin book, Stephanie Brown was, was on her last, you know, kind of run as Robin. So when like the first two issues of Identity Crisis came out and Stephanie Brown's still Robin, I was like, well, what the hell? And, you know. <laughs> I, so. I, I mean, I really like the stuff with, uh. Like you said, with um, with Jay and talking to Iris, and Iris just being like, "I knew he wasn't dead." You know, that was very touching. I thought that was really cool. I I hate if I was a Mary Marvel fan, I would be so pissed off. Like it just keeps on getting <laughs> just worse and worse for her. Like I would be so mad. Um, I was kind of happy to see Billy Bats or not Billy, but um. Freddie, because I I was a very you know big huge fan of the Trials of Sazam, and it's kind of see kind of cool to see Freddie in the mix, but you know I I just don't I just don't care. I just I'm sorry. That's Everyone that's perfect. Just, you know, I'm really, like I'm really not trying to disrespect Morrison. I, and, I mean, because everyone knows I, I'm not a big fan of Morrison. It's like I'm not trying to say like this is a bad story. You know, I want to make that clear. I'm just saying, like, I like I want it to, like, grab me, and I want to be, like, you know, everyone's so excited about it, and everyone thought it was so big and so huge, Now it's just, like, I'm just, I'm just not getting it. All right, well, that's fair, and, you know, if, if you go, if it ends and you're, like, hearing that it was really good, then you can always go back and pick up the trade, so. Yeah, I mean, I still might pick it up in two months, we'll, we'll just see. Okay, um... So the last book I have to talk about is NYX No Way Home. Mm-hmm. And I didn't read the first volume of this, so I felt like maybe there was a little bit I was missing out on. But, but from what I understand, the first volume was basically like it, it got caught up in the hype of the X-23 character. Is that where she was introduced? Is that right? Yeah, that's where she was introduced, yeah. Okay, so this, and this doesn't focus on her at all. This is... A, another group that was in that book. Well, um, the, like... the, the main character, I'm not sure if it's Keaton, however pronounced, she was still the main character in the very first volume. That was just, X-23 was in there, and then that's what people remember about it. 
Mm. Okay, well, that being said, I I like this. Um, it was very... I, it's kind of... I don't know, it's kind of silly to say it was very urban, but to me it felt like it. Like, I live... I don't, I don't know. I, I like the voice of the kids. I felt uh, it wasn't overly uh, adult sounding, but they were, they definitely like, they. it sounds like they've been through stuff and they've, they're kind of still mature for their age, but still teenagers. Um, I, I just enjoyed like the, the older brother and, and the younger brother and like the, the camaraderie between them and like, you know, helping out for the younger brother and, there was kind of a family relationship between these kids and the woman who took care of them. Yeah, so the I, I very much, yeah, I very much enjoyed that. I just like the 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 kids living in the urban setting and stuff like that. Like it felt very city ish. I don't know. It, it's excuse me, kind of a funny thing to say, but it, no, I, well, I, I don't know. Of, I can't even describe it. I, I guess the thing in this book is NYX. You know, it's it's about you know kids living in the city and. You know, it, it felt like that. It, you know, it was perfect for that. Yeah, the the point of NYX is kind of like you know, in the X Men, it's all about these choice students who are chosen and they shack up in a man- mansion with Xavier, and they got and saved the world. NYX focuses on focuses on the mutants who are just mutants, and basically just revolves around these kids who live in the city, who barely go to school, they want to drop out, um, and it's just the exact opposite of who the X-Men are. Like, Keaton has the power to stop time, you know, and it, and it wasn't very clear in the, this issue, like, what she was doing, but that's her power, it's kind of to, to slow down time, and it's, it's, I mean, it's a very urban um, book, like you said, but it's a very like real book too. It's like there there are kids that are exactly like this, and it's kind of it kind of hits an emotional thing to know because you know there's nothing wrong with these kids, but they're they're you know every every person at the at that age kind of feels like they're lost, you know, and they're just kind of trying to find themselves. They're trying to find their own way, and I think that that this is a great book to kind of portray that. Like the voice in this book is great. Yeah, I was going to say, the characters are very believable with each other. And what I liked about this was they, uh, the main character, with the blonde, what's her name? Keaton. Yeah. Well, I liked her, uh, and they weren't afraid to show her past and show that, yeah, she made some bad decisions. Like, yeah. they, they kind of dirtied up her character. And that I really enjoyed because that's, you know, very true of a lot of teenagers. You know, teenagers, you know, they're, they're not all the tried and true like comic book teenagers that make you know they, they may make mostly right decisions but you know they, they never really make bad ones it seems like here's one who definitely has mistakes in her past yeah and so I, I really enjoyed that fact and I like the idea of the kids having to you know try and make rent and things like that so yeah it's cool um a surprise to me this week was that cable number six was really good I saw the cover and I thought you might pick that up. Um, it, so yeah, I've, I've been oh, I've been reading it the whole time. The the, the past five issues have been horrible. Um, and the reason why this was so good is because Cable is barely in it. This is all about Scott Summers. <laughs> um, and 
again, this is a book, this is a story that should have come out right after Messiah Complex. Because in this story, we get this issue. We just see Scott saying, hey, I just gave the last mutant the cable. I'm not exactly sure what he's going to do. He's in the future. I don't know what's going on. And, like, how do I deal with that? That's all this issue was, was just, like, a self-reflection of Scott Summers. Scott kind of looking back on the whole Messiah Complex thing and saying... I don't know if I made the right decision giving this mutant the cable. You know, I'm just kind of reflecting and saying, I really feel like this was the right thing to do. I don't know why. I mean, I can't back that up, but like that was just my gut instinct. And it kind of goes back and talks about the relationship that, you know, Scott has with Cable because even though they are father and son, it's a very, very strained relationship because of the fact that, you know, Scott had to throw him into the future and basically you know, didn't spend any time with his son at all. Um, but it was good, you know, it was, it just made so much sense with, like, little stuff. Like, afterwards, they, they, he talks about how he tries to hunt down Cable, and then you, you see that, our Bishop, and you see that, like, that was actually kind of the, the first building up of X-Force, and that's really what happened, was that X-23 and um, Warpath were there, and Scott's like, I need you guys to find Bishop. And then he talks to Wolverine. And you see, like, that was the actual formation of X-Force, which would have been a lot more believable than what, you know, we we got was X-Force needed to go after the Purifiers. But yet, I mean, with Bishop being a traitor and with Bishop, you know, shooting Xavier, they haven't addressed that in any X-Book yet. You know, and it was finally good to see, like, that something that actually needed to be addressed. So this is cool. Like, I hope this actually gives substance to the story now. And I think they're finally setting it up to... I don't know. Something needs to happen to this baby quick. She, it needs to come back, and this needs to get resolved. Because this just can't be, like, an empty plot hole. You know, this was way too big of a deal for this just to be like, eh, you know, we'll deal with this a couple years down the road. You know, like, something really big needs to happen. Yeah. It was nice to get some some background, you know, he, it talks about, like, how Scott is, like, telling people to kill each other, or, you know, he's enlisting X-Force to kill and all this stuff, and he's just, like... This is a scroll. Kills. He's not, well, he's, he could be a scroll, but he, he it's, like, <laughs> his reasoning is that he's so, he's so wound up, and he's, he's, he's admitting the fact that he's making all these wrong decisions, and he's making all these decisions that he normally wouldn't make, but with, like, his back against the wall, he doesn't know what else to do. If anything else, I'm just happy that they're finally addressing these things, you know? Okay. Well, so, good, yeah, they need to, you're right. Yeah. That's why I was so upset with that storyline, because it seemed like it didn't, it didn't go anywhere. You're right, it, nothing but, happened, yeah. nothing happened, you're correct. So, so yeah, I mean, I've, you know, I've been looking for that defining X-Men story, and that, that definitely wasn't it, and thank God Astonishing was around, so. Astonishing, yeah. Uh, the last book I want to touch about real quick was uh, Trinity came out. I don't even know what issue it was. Number 10, I think. You're still yep. reading this? You're, you're not reading Final Crisis? You're still reading this? I am I am looking at Mark Bagley's art. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> okay. Okay, first of all, there's been 10 issues of Trinity. I have yet to actually read any of the backup stories. Um, but I actually wanted to talk to you because we find, like... Um, the crime syndicate is like a big part of the the book now, and I thought you might like that. There are three 
Crime Syndicate. What? Beer Three Crime Syndicate. No, the the Crime Syndicate is part of the. They're like the big thing in this book right now. They're the villain. Well, no, not really, actually. Yeah, but they're, but they're like, the ones. Aren't, aren't the Crime Syndicate the ones that are like the opposites of all the heroes from Earth Three? Yeah, they're the um the actual Ju- Justice League are fighting the Crime Syndicate in this book currently. They're yeah, not I'm the a... main. They're not the main villains. Okay. But this is like my first actual experience with the Crime Syndicate. You know, I've heard about them. Right. But this this is the first time I've actually seen them, and it's kind of cool because um the story is really confusing and that probably has to do with the fact that i i really don't pay attention because i don't i don't really like it all that much but they have to go to the crime syndicate world to do something and they're talking about how they have to go in and out and they can't like meddle while they're there and clark has a very big issue with that because you know like all these people are dying and it's basically these, you know, these anti-heroes who are enslaving and killing all these people, and the Justice League is not going to do anything to stop it. And it, it's a great conflict because you see Bruce and Diana, and Bruce and Diana are like, well, you know, it's not really our place to do anything, and this is kind of what's going on, is that they want us to kind of meddle in the, you know, the actual villains who are all behind the whole thing. They want to have our attention drawn elsewhere. And Clark's like, so we're just going to, you know, ignore the fact that innocent people are dying. You know, how can you justify that? It was cool because they each had their point and, you know, it's always great to see Bruce and Clark um, fighting with each other. I don't know. I mean, I thought it was kind of cool just because I've never really seen the crime syndicate before and they showed up at the very end. It looks like they're going to fight and... While I'm not a huge fan of the multiverse, I'm kind of looking forward to that. The story's not very good. That still <laughs> hasn't changed. I mean, I really don't know what's going on, and I don't care. Bagley's art looks great. I'm, I'm right. getting a kick out of watching Bagley draw the DCU, so... I don't know. You might want to pick up the next couple of issues and see some fighting. Uh, you know, I, I, I think... That, the idea behind the crime syndicate is, is good. Like, I, I get it. Like, oh, the evil version of the Justice League. Like, it totally makes sense. Like, it's like, it's opposite day. You know, it's that's great. But um, I, I just, I've never been a fan. Like, even, like, the pre-crisis or three crime syndicate, and, you know, Lex Luthor was the lone hero. And then, thinking Countdown, in this one, they established that on their three crime syndicate, the jokester, which was, like, the Joker, he was the only hero in this world. And, it's like, oh, all right. <laughs> I get it. It's just so, kind of, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's all it's all on the surface right there. It's like there's, okay, right, I get right. it. It's off the, you know, I, I've just never been in the crime syndicate. Um, I'm, I'm sure the art is beautiful. I just, it's kind of funny, though, because you were saying, like, you know, why bring back the multiverse unless you're not, if you're not going to have it in your monthly books and stuff like that. Yeah, this is the first time I've seen the multiverse back. There's your there's your multiverse right there. So yeah, it's well. I guess I mean, really. I mean, we did all this stuff. We killed we killed Connor Kent to bring back the multiverse and Trinity, the weekly comic. I don't think that seems to be a trade off, Eric. Well, I don't think that's why I killed off Connor. <laughs> that's true. But uh, 
think there, I think there were some lawyers. Be, I, I think lawyers were the ones who killed off Connor, to be, to be fair. They, they could have changed his name or done something. He didn't have to That's be super. Why, yeah. They, they, uh, I don't know. He'll be back sometime, some way, I, somehow. I don't, they, they said he wouldn't. The panel's there. Like, he's gone, so. Um, yeah, so that does it for books this week. Uh, I, we're, we're working through some trades right now. I've, I'm currently reading through the Starman Omnibus Volume 1, and I'm enjoying it. But I'm also uh, reading uh, several. I, I reread through the Scott Pilgrim series, just dying for the next book to come out. I'm um, reading a, a really interesting Batman trade from the old Legends of the Dark Knight series called uh, Going Sane. And the the idea behind that story is what happens to the Joker when he thinks he's actually killed Batman. And in, and he goes sane, basically. Like, he creates a, a normal life. And it, so far, it's very interesting. I'll, I'll talk about it more when, it's, when I'm through with it. But I've got, like, three different books that I'm in the middle of right now. I can't, for some reason, I can't just finish one and move the other after read them all at the same time. Yeah, I'm doing the same thing. I'm reading The Walking Dead, Invincible, I'm trying to go back. I, hey, I actually, something I want to tell you is that I finally just read through the first Trade of Powers. Oh, f- finally? What'd you, like, did you like it better now, or what'd you think? Well, I've never read it before. I thought you read it once and you didn't care for it. No, I started reading it, and I just didn't, I just didn't kind of like it. And I've always wanted to force myself to actually read through it, and I've had it for years. And I finally read through it, and I loved it. I thought it was great. I'm not a huge crime guy, but, um, and I'm still not. Like, I still don't like the whole idea that they're detectives and stuff, but I love the character interactions. And, like, you know. Yeah, it's it's great. And it only gets better from there. Yeah, so I think I'm, I'm going to start um, picking up the traits. Like, I'm going to start, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go back, and I'm going to read the whole thing. Nice, nice. That's what I like to see. So, um, have you, did you finish The Dark Knight Returns? I haven't finished Dark Knight Returns yet. Um, okay. I, I haven't been too happy with what I've seen so far. Oh, really? But, we'll, you know, I honestly, I'm going to be, you know, I think All-Star Batman kind of jaded me because that's what I'm, like, I'm seeing a crazy Batman, and that's, like, what I'm associating it with, you know? You have, you have to just let, let all of that go. <laughs> I know, I mean, I'm trying. Yeah. But you, you yeah. know what I'm, I also, I feel like it's a mix of All-Star Batman, which, you know, is not good, but I'm also getting a lot of Batman Beyond feel out of it, which I really like, because you're kind of getting an old school okay. Bruce Wayne. You don't like that? No, I do like that. I love that. Okay, but, yeah. Uh, the All-Star Batman part I don't like, but the, the Batman Beyond part I love, because like it's old Bruce Wayne, he's kind of broken... And you know he he does he's not in shape to do this, but he kind of feels like there's nothing to do, and so he does it himself. Wherein you know, in Batman and Beyond, the only other option would be like, well, I can't do this myself. I'm going to get Terry to do it. But I'm, I'm seeing those parallels, and I thought that was really cool. Yeah, yeah. So okay, well, uh, we'll be talking about all that in future shows because uh, we need something to talk about. Uh, so with that, we got some video games coming out uh, soon. Uh, one of them we talked about briefly, the, the Mortal Kombat versus DC. Yep. So, uh, they released I'm a still not... more information at E3. Okay, there's going to be heroes and villains in the game. Um, there's going to be fatalities and everything, too. But heroes can't do fatalities. The Mortal Kombat characters and the villains can do fatalities, but the heroes cannot do fatalities. See, I don't want to see Scorpion, like, rip out Superman's spine. Like... 
that's and this is the big issue that I feel like okay we're not that old you know we're 26 um but as we get older the world changes you know having a Mortal Kombat game is one thing enough and maybe kids are gonna get their hands on that and that's 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 that you know whatever but if you have like iconic characters like the DC universe and you have them in a game where you know you're throwing this into a thing where kids are going to be drawn to it whereas Mortal Kombat alone kids are not drawn to it it's not aimed at kids you know if you have an iconic character like Superman in anything a kid's going to be drawn to that you know and i just think this is a bad like just a bad move for you know I'm not. Sure, I don't think this is more DC. This is probably more Warner Brothers. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say. I, I doubt DC has anything to do with this. I think this is a case of Warner Brothers pouring out their characters, and that's awful. That I mean, they they you have to pay attention to what your character, what mediums your characters play to. I don't give a damn really about the the violence aspect of it because like the original Mortal Kombat came out when we were younger. I think we were fifth, sixth grade. Fifth, yeah. And, uh, like, I remember the whole thing, because there was blood in the game. And, and by today's standards, it's actually pretty tame. But, um, <laughs> you know, with, with the fatalities and, like, you know, the Super Nintendo version didn't even have blood in it. And, I, you know, I remember the big debate, and, it, like, when I was there, I was like, you know, I don't care. But, um, and I know they've gotten more and more graphic, but I just don't like the idea of using iconic, like, Superman, for, for all Superman is, you know, if you read the comics, if you don't read the comics, everyone knows who Superman is. Superman is, is the American dream done right, basically. He's, he's the ultimate immigrant story. He's, he's everything we hope and we can aspire to be. He does not belong, like, slumming it in, in this video game. Yeah, it just seems low, doesn't it? Like, that's a whole, that's, if there's one word I could use, it'd be like, it just seems low for these characters to be in this game. Yeah, so I'm pretty much gonna choose to ignore it. Yeah, I think that that's you know, and I've I've liked Mortal Kombat games, you know, and I, I just this mix is just it does not work right. Um, uh, another big thing that happened at E3 is that Jim Lee came out and he announced that the DC Universe Online is coming for it's gonna be exclusive to the PS3. Uh, this is gonna be an the an MMO where you create your own hero or villain and then you interact in the DCU with you know your favorite DCU characters. So you can't um, play as DC characters. So how do you feel about like were you, were you wanting to play as like the Flash or somebody like that? No, absolutely not. I I, I think a lot of people are upset because they're like I wanted to play as Batman or Flash. You, the, there's no way you can do that. I mean, if you did that you'd have freaking you know, a million two, two million Batmans running around. I think it'd be so much cooler to create your own hero or your own villain, and then you know fight alongside. Like I, I don't like MMOs. You know, I'm I'm not a World of Warcraft guy. I I played Final Fantasy eleven for a while, and it just it didn't you know it didn't sit well with me. Like this game and the the rumored Marvel game, like, these are the games that could, like, really make me an MMO fan, because if I, if I'm, like, if I create my own hero, whatever, and if I go to Metropolis, and if I just randomly see Superman flying around, like, in the game, like, that's gonna be awesome. Like, I would pay, you know, monthly for that experience. Mm -hmm. So, I'm, I'm excited. I think the idea of making your own character, 
and the fact that you can do your own villain would be great. Um, and then you can kind of tailor your character. So, like, you can't be the Flash, but, you know, you can be a speedster. And, yeah. you know, if, if they're going to have that legacy of the Flash or whatever, I don't know. The fact that Jim Lee came out and Jim Lee is doing all the designs and he's very... I mean, Jim Lee is a big gamer and he's very involved in it. I think that's a very, very good sign of, you know, what the game's going to be. Um, I'm not sure if it's... I don't think it's going to be out anytime soon, but... I after hearing all this you know, all the stuff and then doing a little research, I'm pretty excited for it. Like I I will be getting it the very first day and I'll I'm I'm signed on. Alright, I'm not an MMO. I'm not a gamer, but I'm sure as hell not an MMO person. I would I I don't have a whole lot of time as is, and I feel like that would just destroy me. Oh, you have me. all the time in the world. Don't no, even that's... try to act like you don't. Have... I have a very busy schedule. Please. And I would call NYX authentic, not urban. And now that I think about it, so that's a very good. Yes, that's a very good. Way it felt. It felt very. Have it, right. it does. No, that, that was the wrong way to it, It's it's authentic. It felt very authentic. That was driving me nuts. It's just a real book. So, okay. Um, well, I think that does it for us this week. Uh, had a lot of uh, good talk on the forums this week. So, want to thank everyone for coming on and, and being there and talking. Uh, if you have any questions or comments for us about the show, you can email us at contact at fanboystrikeback.com or please go to our website, and that's where we post our written reviews each week as well as uh, the links to the forums, which I mentioned we had. We had a lot of great activity this week, uh, a lot of good discussion. Um, and so you can also find us on iTunes. Yep, iTunes, Podcast Alley, any podcatcher out there. If you like the show, please leave us a review. It kind of helps us out. Um, tell your friends, tell your mom, tell anyone who likes comics or who doesn't like comics or you think might like comics. Um, then, like Eric said, come by to the site and definitely check out the forums. There's been a lot of cool discussion, um, some interesting views on things. Very cool. And a new addition is that we now have voicemail. So if you want to call us uh, about the show... You can all call us, leave a question. Uh, we'll play the question and we'll answer it on the show. Any feedback will be great. So you can call us at 206 350 2354. Yeah, so just give us a call, leave a message, let us know what you like, what you don't like, any questions, and we'll answer them on the show. All right, well, uh, that does it for us this week. So uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye.